Fierce couple. This, I contend, might be one of the most important decisions you make as a family Mm -hmm. and as a couple. And surely you might make this decision more than once. But whenever you make this decision, I think it's one of the most important decisions (laughs) that you're going to make. And that is where to attend a church. In other words, where are you going to invest your time, invest your resources, invest your energy? uh, Where are you going to serve? Where are you going to attend? Where are you going to plant your family? And how do you find agreement around that as a couple? So we're going to respond to that question here today on the Fierce Marriage Podcast. We'll see you on the other side. Welcome back, fierce friends, listeners, viewers. Hello, my name is Ryan. This is my lovely wife, Selena. We are the proprietors of all things fierce. Welcome to our little tiny corner of the internet, our little tiny corner of the podcasting world. Thank you for giving us your ears and your attention. Um, Yeah, so we do this ministry, Fierce Families, Fierce Marriage, Fierce Parenting. This is the Fierce Marriage Podcast. We have a parenting podcast as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And the whole mission is just to uh, help couples live on mission for Christ. What is marriage in light of who Christ is? What is parenting in light of who Christ is? Mm -hmm. We are families created for the glory of Christ, and we hope to help you um, live that out to its fullest. So today, Selena, what are we talking about today? (laughs) Well, you already mentioned it on the other side, (laughs) but we're talking about how to pick a church as a couple um, because it's kind of a coincidence for us because we have been Um, which I don't know, many of you probably have gone through some transitions over, you know, the pandemic. Uh, Churches have gone through transitions. And so we did a home church for, if you know anything about our story, for the last couple of years, we did a church at our home. Uh, And then as things began to open up, we uh, decided that, well, we prayed. There was a lot of prayer and consideration. Um, But discern that, you know, it's not really time for us to begin a church, but to actually start um, getting back in the community and uh, finding where God would have us. And so... Uh, after several months of trying different churches and having some hard conversations with each other, um, with close friends that we'd pretty much call family, other believers uh, that we trust, um, we have finally sort of landed at a local church. Uh, yeah, which has God. been so wonderful for our family. It was an answer to prayer, literally. Yes. And it was, oh, I mean, maybe we'll share more of that story later on as we're kind of telling going throughout this episode. Make a mental note. Because I, <laughs> I didn't have well, it in the Well, essentially, notes, what it was say. is we were. Like Selena said, a lot of prayer around the home church situation. At one point, there were like 10 families meeting. Yeah. And so it was a church. The question is, were we called, was I called, and these other men, were we called to be elders and pastors of these of these people? Mm. And it came down to, I don't feel at this time that I'd be responsible of us, nor right. you don't just decide to be a pastor. I feel like you have to have a strong calling yeah. um, and conviction to do it. Yeah. Um, or you're going to phone it in and, and it's going to hurt people. Or you're going you're to get hurt. Right. And so we decided to wind that down. And yeah, it's been a journey. It's been about... Five months of looking, active looking, and praying over until finally I just said, you know what, I need to make this a daily commitment to pray for the church slash whatever church God has us in Mm -hmm. or would have us in. And uh, it's funny because as soon as I started praying that, um, like after like a week or two of praying that on a daily basis, and not like hours in the prayer closet, right, just remembering and then taking a few minutes to pray about it intentionally to align my heart with what God is maybe asking of us. Within a couple of weeks of doing that, we found this church that it's just it's just been a godsend, yep. um, and it's just around the corner. So we're going to share that. But how do we land on that? That's been yeah. quite a process, and we'll get into that. But first, we want to read the question that came through. Um, if you want to ask a question, by the way, you can go to fiercemarriage.com/ask. That's where this question came from, and this question came from a listener named Faith. So Faith, 
Thank you for asking, Selena. Do you want to read this question? Yeah, you're not the only one asking, and this is yes. right where we're at. So praise God. Uh, I would love to hear from you guys some biblical guidance and or tips for choosing a church together with your spouse. My father-in-law pastors a church in a neighboring town, so we feel a lot of pressure to attend that church and are fear- fearful of hurting their feelings. However, we, or mostly I, would love to plug into our own community, but we are struggling to have that conversation. It's become such a difficult conversation to have that we have not been attending church at all the past few months, which Mm -hmm. is definitely not the vision we have for our family. Yeah, okay. So there's a few kind of facets to this question. Right. I think I want to, I I get the sense there's a a family dynamic there that is clouding this decision. Yeah, sure. Um, And not that family is not a consideration and not that, you know, having a relative who's pastoring a church is not a consideration. I just don't think it's primary. And and, I mean, I don't think it's primary. I don't think it's even maybe even secondary in terms of the things we need to consider as a couple making this decision. Um, And so we're going to just address how do we find a church based on principle, based on God's word, and then based on what that precipitates in terms of the convictions that it gives us as Christians then the encouragement is to again have those hard conversations, even if they're hard. Mm-hmm. You can't control how they respond, but you can control uh, how you present it, how you oh, speak you can, it in love. Yes, absolutely. I um, think that. And if somebody, if your father-in-law is a pastor of a church and he wants, he should want you to be in a church that meets all the criteria we're going to walk through here, right. and the convictions that you um, have. Yeah, there's some so. deep relationships, though. You know, if if your if her husband is grown up as a pastor's kid or in that church, then there's definitely going to be some. You know, and that's a consideration. Things, but it's, yeah. it's not primary. Absolutely. So yeah. um, a few things to think about here, just the direction we're going to go with this conversation, um, talking about how it's not about preferences uh, with church. I think the Western culture of church has uh, evolved into uh, how it, how can I be served the best or how can I get the things that I want, which we'll talk about. Um, and then asking the right questions. Um that we'll walk through that again. Is it a faithful church? Is it, is the church healthy? What are some of those? Uh, what are the primary issues? Um, location things that all that we have had to consider in our own journey. And then we just want to end with some encouragement, um, some scripture encouragement to keep meeting, keep gathering with the saints. Um, just because you may not have a church home necessarily uh, doesn't mean that you shouldn't engage. I think in the discipline of going to a church and trying it and being consistent and knowing that one time is never enough. So. Um, we actually, for us, this church that we went to, we, we tried it in the summer, in the beginning of summer, thought maybe it's a little too liturgical. We're not really sure. And then the Lord just took us on a journey through the summer and we had a few hard conversations with each other. Yeah. Uh, and then we landed at the same church that we were like, I don't know, it feels a little too, um, it ended up being lifeless, but it was, it's actually not, we were the ones that I think were. <laughs> God was conforming us to what we believe yes. to be a, a, a picture of of how a church can operate or should yes. operate. Um, and there is some charity in there. And so we're yes. not here to kind of paint too rigid of a picture. Um, but it does come down to, again, this heart orientation. And that was, yeah. I think, our biggest contention Yeah, as we were having, because we agree on obviously the big stuff. Like we're both Christians. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is, we're assuming that you and your spouse are both Christians in this conversation. And I mean, classic, classical Christians, not like off the deep end, weird doctrine, cultish nope. Christians that don't believe things that are in the Bible, which believe it or not, there's people do that, do that and don't realize it. But by Christian, I mean this, we affirm that the Trinity of God, we affirm we, um, that God is triune. Um, we affirm that Christ is fully God and fully man. Mm-hmm. We affirm that Christ was resurrected bodily from the dead and he ascended into heaven. He reigns there to this day. And we we believe in things like the inerrancy of scripture. We believe that uh, salvation comes by 
faith alone, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Mm-hmm. So um, kind of the, fi- the five solos of the Reformation, we cling to those. Um, and, and we affirm every aspect of the Apostles' Creed, right? And that's kind of the most vanilla creed, I think, that you can affirm. Mm-hmm. Um, we would affirm other confessions and creeds as well, like the Westminster Confession with a few exceptions. Um, I think that's what I mean by Christian. Mm-hmm. So we, we hold those, those, be- those beliefs uh, very tightly uh, together. And so now we have to talk about, okay, what is the role of church in our lives? And so our biggest contention was, was that, okay, what role does the church play in the Christian's life? Right, because then there was some, again, when you start at one sort of premise and then you say one way or another, there's yeah. going to be things that sort of branch out from there, other uh, points of either contention or agreement and uh, issues that you need to talk about. And so, again, talking about what is important versus what you prefer. Um, I want to dig into that one <laughs> a little bit more, though. Okay. Sorry, we have a long outline here, so I'll make sure we get through it. But I want to flesh out what we, you and I were disagreeing about. And Varying we degrees, though, because I don't want to say we were I'm, working through it together and having <laughs> uh, we just we, we weren't automatically agreeing on this stuff is what I'm trying to say. Right. Which is so. weird because we always are kind of lock and step with each other on everything. But I had again, this was a, I feel like this was more of a communication issue than it was an actual like primary issue of beliefs. Oh, uh, yeah. OK, so very Here's quickly, the, yeah, <laughs> very quickly. As you approach church, you ask this question, what does what role does the church play in the Christian's life and what life? What role does the Christian play in the life of the church? Those are the two questions mm-hmm. at play. And so the first side, okay, is church exists to give me an experience of God. That's very westernized, I think. It's very western. Yeah, very more, much more modern. And that's where we grew up, and that's yeah, where we met. Right. We met on that. It's very experiential, very seeker-friendly. A, a lot of the, the charismatic churches fall right. on that end of the spectrum. It's more dependent on you. Not just charismatic, but like mainline Protestantism, evangelicalism, yeah. as the U.S. knows it. Usually it's going to fall on the experiential, modern end of that spectrum. Right. And there's there's some good to be had in there. But the main conviction I had was that that, that foundation of that premise is wrong. And <laughs> that church does not exist to give me an experience of God. Now you got to hear me out because this is... And I agree with him. It's not an experience of it God. It doesn't exist for that reason. It exists um, for the glory of Christ, for the glory of God, through the communion of the saints. And mm-hmm. so... It doesn't exist for my edification. I do get edified. I do get edified. And, but and it's Paul primary. has a lot to say about believers edifying one another. Yes, but its primary existence is not, you're saying, for the believer. You're saying it's for... It's for the glory of Christ glory and of for Christ. The, the worship First and of foremost. our holy, great, good, and mighty God. Right. And remembering everything that he did, which we're in agreement on that. And so then, without, with, if you take that premise out, it doesn't exist for... For my experience, it exists for the glory of Christ. And that flips it on its head. Now, I come to church not to receive, but to give and to participate. And so then it becomes a question of what is that church doing to facilitate the participation and giving of God, what God has asked for on his terms. Mm-hmm. I think that's the it's big an difference. obedience issue. And there's different ways to discuss issue. this uh, kind of with, I don't know, more scholarly theological terms. I don't think they're very helpful right now. But basically, are we going to God to worship him on his terms? And does the church exist? Does the church in question do that? Hmm. So things like preaching from the word, mm-hmm. things things like singing songs that are that are right and true, mm-hmm. and hopefully beautiful too. <laughs> um, I think good songs are beautiful. Uh, are we confessing sin together? Mm-hmm. Are we partaking of the sacraments together, the Lord's Supper? Yeah. You know, is it is the church um, actively you know baptizing? Is the church led 
by uh, godly men, mm-hmm. like to the glory of Christ. So uh, these are all questions that we've that to me help answer that that um, that main question, which is, does this church exist to glorify God? On right, his and I terms? think the disagreement came from. Well, yes, I go to church to receive from God. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But the order, again, communication, right? The order is for us to go and worship God first and foremost for His glory. In turn, we are edified. In turn, we receive His forgiveness. We are reminded of His forgiveness, of the blood that was shed, of the bo- His body that was broken for us. And we look forward to eternity, and we have t- a time to confess our sin. Um, to him, and we we have time to worship together as a family, and so um, trying to bring along all the baggage from you know your own family or your own experience uh, of church uh, over your lifetime, and bring that together with someone else. I mean, we're going on almost twenty years married, and we've always been in agreement on a church, and this was the first time where we were like, I don't know, I don't, <laughs> I you like this one, I like this one, but I don't know. And so what are, yeah. digging deeper into some of those questions. So, um, you know, it's not about the coffee and the donuts, it's really about asking the right the, the right questions, excuse me, uh, to be on mission, to be fulfilling the Great Commission, right, and mm-hmm. living in obedience to God. So what are some of those right questions? What are some of the questions that we asked as a couple? We have a few here, I think there's like four, um, maybe five here. Uh, so, yeah. So the big, the biggest kind of group of questions is this: as you're looking at a church and questioning whether or not you you should be going to this church or if it's the right church for your family, the most important question is: is it a faithful church? In other words, are they preaching the word of God? Mm-hmm. If you go and, and listen to a sermon, um, and a few popular sermon uh, preachers come to mind, um, we have a few in our area. And you could go listen to a sermon and they might have, uh, you know, a little snippet at the beginning and then a whole bunch of, uh, you know, kind of self-help stuff. And then that might be the only scripture you get. Um, but that's not teaching the word of God. That's mm-hmm. that's using the word of God as a launch pad for whatever ideas the pastor is trying to mm-hmm. get across. And so ex- expository preaching or uh, exegetical uh, reading of the word reads the whole counsel of God's word mm-hmm. over time. I think a healthy church is going to go through large swaths, if not the entire entirety of Scripture, every you know, however so years. many years. Yeah. Um, and you're going through it, trying to mine out of it the meaning that God put in there. Yes, we're not reading into it. So that's exegetical preaching. Um, are they valuing God's word? and Are they preaching it in that way? Yeah, with the integrity of that. Yeah. Um, again, is it a faithful church in that? Do they worship God in spirit and in truth? Yeah, that's John four, right? John four twenty three. Yep. Um, they will worship me in spirit and truth, my believers. And so what does that mean to worship in spirit and in truth? Well, is there a life like to the worship, right? Because mm-hmm. there is a sense that, you, you know, because... Well, hip- and this is where, I think this is where the question of experience right. can come in too. You know, are we, oh, excuse me. Uh, what kind of, yeah, worshiping in spirit and in truth? It's very subjective. Like, that's not subjective, but people can tend to read a lot into that statement, right. right? So if it's worshiping in spirit, that means you're, you know, full, full on charismatic and everything. Yeah. Um, that's that's what I'm, what we're getting at here is: is their worship good and true and, and right? Are mm-hmm. they singing true things, or is it and are a they doing it in a manner that yeah. is that is aligned with God's word? Right. Um, and then the last one is around polity. Okay, so how is the church set up organizationally? This one's very, very important, uh, and because there is a biblical, fairly clear way to do this biblically, um, and we came from a church that didn't have any of this, and and uh, we've kind of seen the, the 
the bad sides of that. Came not, from a church, like when we were younger, in yeah, the beginning yes. years of our marriage. Um, and what I mean by polity, I mean, how is the church set up? N- namely, is the church led by a plurality of, of elders? Mm-hmm. Namely, male elders, okay? Oh, yeah. And and are they, are they um, you know, are they are they governing well? Are they, uh, did, they did, yeah, do they, do they meet the standards set forth in Scripture? I think it's in Second Timothy and Titus and other, mm-hmm. other spots in Scripture. Are they godly men? All right, so typically, uh, so, and there are different ways to have government, governments for church set up. So like the Presbyterians have their Presbyteries and they have different like ways of reporting. I'm not super up on that stuff because I didn't grow up in it, but like, um, uh, and then you'll have, I don't know, the Lutherans have their, you know, I think there's like the Missouri Synod and there's all these other basically Presbyteries more mm-hmm. or less. And that's a little bit different. That's, that's extra, but like on the local level, you need to have a pl- plurality of elders in contrast to having a church that's led by maybe one pastor. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Because, he's the CEO, and everybody reports to him. Right, there's just a cult of personality, a risk of that, yep. a risk of becoming, you know, just unhealthy based on one person. One person should not, I don't even think, desire to be in charge like that. Well, it's uh, not biblical, it's, and that's the biggest problem. Right. Is, is you never see that model in scripture. It's too heavy a load. The other one, the other, in contrast, you'll see um, a church that's led by a pastor, but then you'll have a council. Right. And it's not; they're not elders. Because in the Bible, elders and pastors are pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. They're the same word. Um, but a council is somebody that maybe the, the pastor reports to, but the council is not accountable for the care of the souls in the same way that a biblical elder is. Yeah. And so there's not a true plurality there. It's more of like you're running a nonprofit and you have to report to the board mm-hmm. uh, on whatever the health of the nonprofit is. So uh, we're, we're kind of stretching this out a little bit. Okay. Right. This- so it's just asking yeah. questions about is the, is the church faithful? Is it healthy? What are some signs of yeah. a faithful church teaching the word, worshiping spirit and truth? The org- how is it set up? Um, and do these things facilitate the health of the church? Yeah. Right. So if we have elders in charge, are they there for? Yeah. Are they considering? Are they there for a, quite a long time? Right. We're not switching pastors every few months. We're not. Um, the leadership is not being changed over all the time, but there's a consistency. Um, we talk about growth and multiplication as a means of, I mean, seeing the fruit, right, of a church. But it's hard because you've been, we've been to very large churches that the the door is just revolving, right? There's no yeah. actual depth of roots. But then we've also seen churches where there's roots that are really deep and generational, but we're not sure if if there's actually life there, right? Like, And pragmatism is always a really poor way to judge these things. Like if you say, well, look, it's working, therefore I'm not going to, if it ain't broke, don't fix it right, type of thing. Right. Look at all these people are coming, like the biggest churches in our nation are run by heretics, you guys. So that's not <laughs> a good measure of whether or not a church right. is healthy, whether or right. not it has people showing up. Instead, so take, take for example, in small town USA, you have a tiny church with a faithful pastor and you have maybe a, a silver congregation <laughs> gray and so and and sure they might not be growing but that could be a thriving body of christ mm-hmm. right uh and so you have to look at are people's it takes time. hearts growing and yes. you don't really know that until you interact with those people for at least some period of time right uh one thing that i think has really been an indicator to us about the health of a church is the men uh, at least for me, how are they leading? Are they leading their families? Are they singing? Are they engaging? Are mm. they stepping into their roles as men, as fathers, as husbands, or as single men serving in the church? Like, what does that look like as an outsider coming in? Do I see the men engaged? Do I see, mm. um, not that, you know, they have to have 
12 children and be, you know, <laughs> dictating to all of them. What I'm saying is that they there's there's a health there. There's a vibrancy it's there. It's clear you that can, the men yes. are, are acting as men. Absolutely. In a loving capacity. Right. I love this quote I heard, or I read it on Twitter. It says, you can judge the health of a church by how loudly the men sing true things. <laughs> uh, I got lit up on, on Facebook because of that, because some, some guys don't like to sing. I don't think that matters. I think you can still sing loud. Just just do it to the glory of God, not yes, your own glory. Um, so I, I, I echo what you just said. I'm glad that you brought that up. Um, so on top of those two big questions, is the church faithful? Is it healthy? Um, what are our primary issues? So, right. What do you uh, mean by primary issues, too? And, I mean, you're a couple here trying to figure out how to d- decide your, I'll say, rubric through which you're going to select the church. And I want to say these terms that we're using, primary issues, hopefully you know what those mean. We didn't know as a young couple that this was kind of how things were broken out. This is the vocabulary used within churches to understand, okay, primary, tertiary, expository, you know, (laughs) preaching preaching (laughs) versus exegetical. Uh, So these are terms that we're trying to help um, everyone, I don't know, just be educated and understand and know the water you're swimming in. And so we're using the word primary here, not in the the salvation doctrine sense. Okay. So in Christianity, you have primary issues. Like if you don't believe that Jesus was the son of God, uh, made flesh, that's a salvation issue. Yeah. Okay. Because you're believing in a false Christ. If you don't believe in the tri, the triune God. Okay. That's a salvation thing. Um, there's other aspects that are, have to do with salvation. That's not how we're using the word primary. We're talking about primary and that they're the most important issues for a church. Right. Okay, and that may have gone without saying, but I thought I'd at least explain it. Like, you're not going to go to hell if you go to church that doesn't affirm the Apostles' Creed, right? Now, if the church doesn't affirm the Apostles' Creed, that's a huge red flag because it's like basic Orthodox Christianity. <laughs> um, but that's that's another subject uh, topic of conversation. Okay, so does... Okay, so we're just going to go through these really quickly. Yeah. Um, primary issues. Does the church affirm the teaching of the Trinity? Does it affirm the Apostles' Creed? Again, that's a big important thing. Primary in terms of Orthodox Christianity... Yeah. Um, this is part of your due diligence, right? A lot of this stuff you can find um, online uh, by yeah. searching through their mission beliefs and uh, statements of faith. Yeah, and if a church doesn't have a statement of faith, then that's a huge red, red flag, flag in and of itself. If they say, you know, if it's just a bunch, of, it's like a fancy mission statement, and yeah. there's no like, here's what we believe about scripture, here's what yeah. we believe about Jesus, like that's a huge red flag. Run, find another church. Yeah. Um, does it affirm and teach the authority of scripture, the inerrancy of scripture, and the mm-hmm. sufficiency thereof? Okay, very important. Does it support the sanctity of life? Like, as an example, if we go if we go to a church that doesn't uh, that doesn't want the complete abolition of abortion, that's a that's a no right. go. And one I forgot on here too. Um, does it support the biblical model for marriage? Uh, because there are now yes. a lot of churches that don't support that. Yeah, well, they do, and they support other forms of marriage, which yeah. we do not. Yeah. In um, fact, we um we actually crossed the church off our list simply because they are associated with the denomination that has gone off the rails. Mm-hmm. The local church may not may not have been off the rails, but, but unfortunately they, they wanted to change the denomination from within, but still I'm like how can you I, I just say couldn't square that this, in my head. Right. Uh, um, for us is it complementarian? This is a big one for us. We yes, we believe that it should be complementarian that. Yeah. In other words, yeah, there's there's an there is an, an order in how God has made men and women to operate both yeah. within the family, but also within the church. Uh, and the reason why this has become a primary issue in terms of church for us, is because I've, I feel like how you approach this issue yeah. and I'm going to get some pushback here. That's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. How you approach this issue and how you get, I believe, and fairly firmly, I can, uh, it's, I'm convinced by scripture, um, how you get to an egalitarian view. Um, you have to do a lot of kind of slicing and dicing of scripture. And it feels like if you're doing that, 
to get to that to get to that right. conclusion, then I don't know that I can trust you with the the preaching of God's word. Right. Okay, um, a weekly <laughs> think, communion. Yeah, I think we have other podcasts, have <laughs> videos that on complementarian. Just gonna drop that bomb. <laughs> uh, so weekly communion. So a lot of churches will do communion on a monthly basis, or sometimes they'll just do it on special events. We believe uh, communion should be experienced weekly, and so we wanted to go to a church that had that prioritized mm-hmm. it as such. Um, Go ahead, you want to say this next one? Sure, week? weekly confession of sin. Uh, we had not grown up. I know that I went to church with my grandparents, and they were Catholic, and so there was that whole way of doing it. But for now, with <laughs> with us uh, at our church, we take a moment, and they say they ask us to assume a position of... A posture of... A posture of c- yeah. confession. Uh, so either getting on your knees or, you know, and having a silent yeah. time of confession, the Legion of Prayer and whatnot. And that has been so wonderful i think for us and for our kids to see as well um which is mode of worship was the next thing that we were going to talk about i want to stay on the confession of faith confession of sin real fast it's not like confessional okay sorry it's not yeah it's not not going to the church to receive forgiveness um the forgiveness is already actuated in christ like he's already done it past present future sin it's all been forgiven now but the confession of sin with it comes an assurance of pardon Mm -hmm. and to me that's the most beautiful part of it because it's like okay i'm in this habit and rhythm of thinking introspectively, Lord, how have I sinned against you in this past week? Now, you're doing that on a daily basis anyway. Absolutely. I mean, ideally. Yeah. But There's something about with the believers. Doing with it with the, the saints, yeah. And you're saying, you're not saying it out loud, you're in, in your own head. Have I sinned against you, Lord? Help me. Forgive me. Yeah. Um, there's something calibrating about that. And again, it's not like that's the place you have to go to get right. forgiveness. Right. But it's just the, that that assurance of your pardon in the communion of the saints. Well, thing. and training and modeling and teaching that to your children. Because uh, yeah. our next point here is mode of worship, like family worship versus, you know, going to kids' church and whatever. Uh, the church has a nursery uh, for ages until like three or four and under. And then they have a, a worship training room. So if you, you know, you have a two-year-old and they... Uh, don't go to the nursery and they still they're just having a hard time in church they can go in there you can listen to the sermon but you're also training your kids how to worship and so part of teaching and training discipling our children and helping them remember the things of god is confessing our sin so sometimes those moments are not really about me and confessing my sin although i can slip in a moment or two Uh, it's more about hey you know della this is a time to talk to the lord about you know, mm. the sin in your life and the things that, you know, you've struggled with this week or today. Um, and you confess those to God saying, God, I'm sorry for doing yeah. that, you know. And so it's a really precious, I think it can be such a, a beautiful and precious time uh, for them to see other believers doing that as well. And not only that, uh, it's, and you've heard us say this in the past perhaps, but we believe it's very important for children to sit under the full counsel of God, under the shepherd they, that is assigned to them, right? Mm-hmm. Their pastor, right? This is their pastor too. And so when he's preaching, he's preaching to them right. and they can, they don't catch everything, but they catch enough mm. and they need to be there among the adults and participating and they can do worship with us. Believe it or not, they do start when you train them. The beginning of summer was a bit rough. You know, they've been in, in home church with us and we've let them kind of have a little freedom to kind of run around in the shop. As long as they're quiet, they can play in the back or something, uh, the younger ones. But the older ones, we've required more attentiveness. Um, we bring mm-hmm. either a clipboard or a journal and they get to write and we ask them to write something down that they heard in the sermon. They can draw. Uh, mm-hmm. There's just you know, a quiet, it's the, the sermon's probably 40 minutes, uh, 40, 45 minutes. And they believe it or not, they do rise to the occasion. And yes, mom and dad, you're going to have to kind of invest in that time. And yes, dad's going to have to, uh, 
take a stand and take some of the kids out once in a while if they're misbehaving. Yeah. But uh, it, God is just, it's such a beautiful thing to just see our kids. They know what church is. They know what to expect. They know how to behave. Uh, and we've trained them in that. That takes time and that's okay. And it's okay to mess up. There's going to be crying babies. There's going to be, I mean, I hate saying mess up because it's just life. Like there's going to be crying babies. There's going to be two-year-olds that are protesting. They don't want to sit anymore. And but if you're a young couple and you don't have kids yet, then um, this is a different type of consideration for you because now you have to ask yourself, do you do you uh, value integrated worship for your future children, and mm-hmm. are you willing to endure some of the <laughs> hiccups grace, that come along yeah. with it for those who have young kids and yeah. you don't? And I so I think a, in a healthy church, you're going to have young couples, even singles, yes. that understand like these are my young brothers and sisters in yeah. Christ, and they need to be here just mm-hmm. like I need to be here. Um, now that's that's a radical thing. Okay, it's very radical. I'm realizing, and we if we would have heard. This podcast episode a year or two ago, <laughs> yeah, we probably have some pretty strong opinions. So we understand if you're reacting and having strong opinions here. Right. Um, but this is the journey God's brought us on, and we believe it's it's uh, the way to go. <laughs> so, um, this one is actually also, I think, I'll hold this one with a more open hand, but uh, having a church that is one service yeah. versus multiple services. Mm-hmm. So the church that we're now attending, um, it's growing quickly. Yeah. And but it's been around since it's been around for 25 years, but yeah. they're seeing a surge in growth. Um, I think God is moving, frankly. Um, and so the pastor, I, I, I was sitting down with, with our pastor and I was talking to him and, and he's wondering like, how, what are we going to do? Cause mm. we don't want to go to multiple services. We, to build out the rest of the building cause they, they, they partition part of it and they rent that out to basically take that last 6,000 square feet. It's going to be just astronomical for the budget. And he's like, well, what do we do? He's like, well, we got to plant churches. We got to raise up men and plant right, churches. Right. That is the answer, you guys. To go to, to so typically, what modern churches do, and pastors will, are responsible to lead their churches in this way. I have friends who have churches with multiple services, and I'm not going to go call them and, and berate them over this. <laughs> um, but I love the attitude that comes along with having one service because if you have multiple services, you effectively have multiple churches, mm-hmm. and you have some crossover in between. But it ends up becoming multiple churches, and then sometimes you'll see ch- larger churches as they grow. They they have satellite churches, which to me is it's that's fine as long as it's a venue to plant a church eventually out of right, that satellite right because church churches need to be planted in the community not yeah. not pop up churches um, and, you know, just over the weekend or whatever. Right. That's a long conversation, but that's the conviction that we hold. You also had a, con- uh, a conversation with him that same day about programs uh, because, again, we came from, I think, a very program-driven uh, origin of faith, not faith, but early in our marriage, right, we were heavily involved with a lot of programs and it about broke our marriage. And so <laughs> how what is, what is our current yeah. philosophy on whether or not we should be a part of a program or a church that's driven by programs or not. I think it's up to, you know, the capacities of the church. Programs more often than not can can end up being a huge burden on the people that are serving in the church. Right, what do we being, mean? And by program, you mean like we have, you know, uh, all kinds of different ministries, right? right? And kids' church and all the things. like Yeah. And I think that there's a time and a place depending on the community because it can, really can serve to facilitate relationships. Yeah. Um, and the church should be a place of of gathering and eating mm-hmm. together and fellowshipping together. So um, again, uh, we just want, for us, we had to really be careful about what, how much program, how many programs there are, how, to what extent they're requiring involvement. Well, and again, um, programs goes all the way back to the beginning of this episode when we talk right. about what is the role of church right. in the life of a believer. Absolutely. Uh, it's not to give me something to do. Right. It's to facilitate the edification of the saints, discipleship of the saints, and the worship of God. So if those programs are facilitating discipleship, they're facilitating 
uh, edification in a in a not just I have I'm busy, but like it's actually growing. Right. Uh, and usually that comes out of an, a need. Relationships yes. that are discipleship yes, based. Absolutely. And so our pastor's answer was, yeah, we we have programs only the programs we do have. There's there's a few of them, and they are specifically because. The, the people needed a reason to connect and a time to connect because he found the relationships were not deepening like they needed to be. Right, right. I, some of that's my verbiage, but I think that's what he was getting at. Okay. Uh, Quickly, talking about the location of the church. Uh, so I think this is twofold because like we were ta- discussing before, a solid church will draw people from various areas, which is a plus. Uh, for us, the downside to that is that we were always kind of being pulled out of our community. And so in this season of life, we were really praying for a church that was close to our home, that we could connect with people in our community. Um, and if they were farther away, that's fine. You know, we can make that work. But the 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 primary meeting place was not 30 minutes away, but it was 10 minutes away at the most, 10 to 15 minutes. Yeah. Um, and this was something that we had to kind of talk about because there was a church that I liked that was 15 to 20 minutes. And he's like, well, I feel like it's going to draw us out there again. Because what happens is you're driving 15 minutes this way to right. go to the church or one way. And then other people are driving 15 minutes from, from the opposite direction. At so minimum. Now, some, yeah. Or 20 or 30 minutes from the opposite direction. So now the people that you're getting into relationship with, you live 30, 40 minutes away from them. Mm-hmm. That's fine to have those friendships. But I think it's really hard to live in authentic, sustainable Christian community. Christian um, with that in mind, I think we talked yeah. about that last week. Just so depending on, yeah, the season um, that you're in as well. So, and so we, I don't, we wanted to be able to actually live life alongside the, right. the people that we're worshiping alongside. And that required some geographic right. proximity. And so I was actually pretty white knuckled with that. You were. And part that of that, one. I think, was our season of life too. You know, when we're young and, and, you know, married and there's not as many responsibilities, like a 20, 30 minute drive isn't really that much. Might give us time to connect. Um, and we're a little bit more free to kind of connect with other people on yeah, our good. own. But when you have a family of six or whatever, <laughs> uh, which we're going on, um, and they're young, you know, a 30 minute car ride can be the, the end of you all. <laughs> so yeah, logistics just, they go up exponentially. Yes. Um, so the distance and the number of children, it's something to consider. Yeah. I'm not sure. I, I think it's just one of those questions that needs to be asked unless you guys are just already in agreement on where you're at. And it's possible to really intentionally, uh, build local community of people that maybe attend the same yeah. church so that you're not being stretched yes. too far geographically. Right. Um, that's definitely possible. We're not saying don't go to a church that's too far away. Like yeah. go where God leads you to go yeah. and that if it checks off these boxes and, and more. Um, but just be very mindful of the ability for you to actually build lasting Christian community if there's a big gap right. between you physically where you live not at the expense yeah of your family so um, um all that to say just kind of wrapping up uh the right church might just be around the corner for you uh you have to give it time it's not just a one and done visit i think that's can go without saying but just as a reminder i think to our own hearts it's yeah. going to take some time so hold fast to the truth of scripture don't waver don't compromise know what the bible says and stick to it do your due diligence get online look at where they stand um do your research I know Ryan did a ton of research for us, and there were some churches that we were like, we're going to go, I think we're going to check them out Sunday. And, you know, Saturday night, he'd be like, nope, they're associated with something that affirms this, and we do not. So it's good it's to a just... a huge bummer, because I was is. excited. We, and you're like, this is just a deal breaker. I'm sorry, but yes. I'm, we we can't really double down on and something. And we're not that, sorry. We are that's true. standing firm in that. So um, Some encouragement, though. Okay, so if you're looking, if you're thinking, this is great, but I'm in a town, I've tried all the churches, or I know all the churches, and none of these... None of them fit. Right. Okay. We've been there uh, we too. We have to be, uh, uh, what's the word, humble, and maybe you don't know yeah. everything about the church. 
Um, if you still find yourself at an impasse, uh, we actually landed at a church locally. It was a faithful church, mm-hmm. but it missed on some of the more negotiable things. It didn't feel quite as that didn't feel um, like we needed it to feel feel. I'm using, I'm saying that even though I said early on it's not about us, but I felt like there was a missional aspect that was missing. And so, but we landed there temporarily just to say, you know, this, okay, until the Lord leads us, right. this is our church home. Right. They're faithfully teaching the Bible. Yeah. They have kids inside. And so inside. we started building relationships and we started, in, and then and then one weekend we're just like, let's just try this other one again. Yeah. Um, and so that was kind of, we didn't anticipate. So all the time we've not been going to new churches every weekend. We, we actually right. were at one church for a couple months and then another one. Um, so there's that. Also, if you maybe have a good church, but it's too far away, ask the church that's too far away, say, hey. We feel like we need to be in church community in our geographic area. Yeah. Do you know of any good churches in our area? Yeah. Yep. And there was a few, um, there's churches, a pastor no that was 20, <laughs> 20, 30 minutes away. He said, we visited. He said, hey, it was great to have you. If you find if you find that it's too far and you want to go closer to home, I know of a few good churches yeah. where you're at. Just, just email me and I'll send you their names. Yeah, super great. Super great. Um, so anyway, this has been, uh, I think, a good conversation. Um, we have an ending uh, encouragement for you. It's uh, Hebrews 10, verses 23 to 25. Um, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet, meet together, as is the habit of some. Don't let that become a habit. <laughs> but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Um, this has been a long episode. I want to. I'd be remiss if I didn't at least mention. Um, if you don't know Jesus, y- you need to. Mm-hmm. Um, we are all sinners, fallen short of the glory of God. We are without hope until we place our faith in Christ, and then we have all the hope mm-hmm. in the universe. And so, if you don't know who Jesus is, you don't know uh, what He did for you. Go to this website. It's thenewsisgood.com. It gives you kind of the basics of what it means to be a Christian, to place your faith in Christ, and then there's some steps you can take on that journey of. Uh, walking with Christ. Um, Go check that out. Mm -hmm. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for um, this time we get to spend with these uh, couples, these husbands or wives, Mm -hmm. people listening and watching. I pray that you would um, edify them. I pray that, Lord, that you would build your church, that uh, the the gates of hell will not prevail against your church, and that you've called us as Christians to be enrolled, enlisted in the life of the church, in the work of the church, the mission of Christ. I pray that you'd lead couples who haven't yet found a church into a good one. I pray that you would um, lead couples who are in a good church, help them to serve their church more faithfully, more diligently. Lord, I pray that we would do it all with a glad heart, not out of obligation or some sense of uh, uh, we need to earn your love, but Lord, out of a sense of we have your love, you've granted it to us, you're worthy of our worship, and we're going to give it. Mm. Thank you, Jesus, for this time in Jesus in your name. Amen. Amen. All right, folks, this episode of the Fierce Marriage Podcast is in the camp. see you again in seven days. Until next time. Stay fierce.